Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spashtano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing? Good. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time, I don't know, for the for the younger people, maybe you haven't seen it, is uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And in that movie, my very favorite character is Mike Damone. I love Mike Damone. And my favorite scene is when he is giving uh, his best friend, Mark Radner, the five-point plan on how to pick up women, which we all know I desperately need <laughs> because I've been an utter failure. And one, I think point number two is uh, was wherever you are, that's the place to be. Isn't this great? So I'm, this is the place to be, Dan and Benny in the ring. It's great. Yeah, you can't argue with that. And like you said, we uh, we continue to, to, to grow. We, uh, we're having more and more fun discussions on the – fan page we're getting a lot of good feedback and a lot of, a lot of good numbers and we're just doing our thing and having fun which is really the most important part of it speaking of having fun we we uh we're gonna get to the topic at hand but so a couple of little side stories to talk about in the world of wrestling uh, i refuse to to say the world of sports entertainment um you had a couple of uh you know a couple of bouncing around some some signings some debuts uh Mickey James back with Impact, which where she really kind of dug her teeth and on the national scale. Uh, I thought that was great. Oddly enough, I give credit. Uh, we've we've been kind of critical of of Impact in the past with some of the quality of their products, but this this Slammiversary pay per view they just had, you had talent from Impact, New Japan, AEW, the the. Uh, I mean, all around you had you had the NWA, you had talent from every major company and some minor ones, except WWE. And and far and away, Slammiversary has been one of their best received pay per views in a long time. Uh, obviously, you still have the crossover with AEW with Kenny Omega, uh, but I mean that's just just seeing. It almost reminds me of some of the old super shows, if you, if you guys remember what I'm talking about, where it, it's like the territories working together again. You had a lot of of, of the, the, the promotions, n- none of which are considered the biggest player. Obviously, the big dog in the yard is, is the WWE, but working together, sharing talent, overlapping storylines, and kind of building, I don't want to say building maybe from the ground up, but, but kind of building their fan base together, and I think that's great to see. Pro Wrestling USA comes to 2021 and hopefully these guys get along better than Vern Gagne and Jim Crockett did. Yeah, there you go. And of course with, uh, I mean, we got to keep, uh, keep an eye on the Delta variant because some of the, some, some cities and, and states are getting ready to start cracking down again. But uh, a lot of the indie promotions, including our friends at uh, VCW at SWE Fury in Texas. And uh, obviously we, we still fans of devotion out in Utah uh, our our friend Tombstone and those guys out there, you know, the indie shows are running hot, uh, big crowds. Um, we'll talk about the crowd here in a bit when we get into the Money in the Bank pay per view. But it's just it. You had Smack WWE SmackDown had a had a crowd. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so I refer to Raw as happening last night. Uh, that 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 was a crowd. The the pick, crowds are hot, fans are coming. Obviously. Uh, AW uh, with the crowds they're drawing in Florida. 
Um, news was reported, AEW pushing into New York, and apparently they are not only are their ticket sales exceeding projections, but their first day sales, they out they were outselling the WWE shows in the same regions. So, I mean, you're getting you're getting some uh, some good numbers. The fans are liking this, liking what they see with uh, with the crowds with wrestling. Obviously, anybody that's on our page knows our our friend Mikey is more of an AEW fan than what the WWE's been doing. But it's good to see that that a promotion that's really based out of Florida, for lack of a better description, uh, doing so well in the Northeast. The only the, the biggest winner with competition is the fans. Yeah, I mean. Uh, most re- wrestling fans of the the past couple generations talk about the the golden era of the WWE or excuse me WWF back then in the 80s and then obviously the attitude era versus with the 90s versus WCW <clears throat> and even the the some of the la- earlier days of uh, or later days I should say of the territories into the no- the 80s into the 90s when you had shows in Texas and the, uh, I mean who can remember who can forget the the crowd reaction when uh, the Von Erichs, uh when when Terry Von Erich won the title against Ric Flair and and you just had these moments and all of the, a lot of that the 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 NWO which was a huge which just had an anniversary the formation of that obviously people talk about stars like the rock and stone cold and, and sting and the undertaker being on WWF, WCW respectively uh the early days of what was nwa tna with your aj styles and samoa joe and christopher daniels and those uh, the, the resurgence of kurt angle where y- that all stemmed from competition none none of those big moments happen without competition and now when you start having it, I mean, you saw how what the how the WWE is constantly tweaking their the NXT product because NXT was losing to AEW, and now you're you're tweaking that and AEW is responding and some of the stars bouncing back and forth. It's it's that that it's looking really looking like it's leading towards that soft reset that we've talked about before that that wrestling needs. Absolutely. I, I think wrestling was meant to be more of a local thing. I mean, not not, not a global thing. And uh, I think we're seeing more of that, I mean, with this competition. And especially with the growth of the indie promotions, that people want to go, they want to go see wrestling on a weekly basis if they can. Yeah, and I think, too, especially, like, I look at the, the, the following here, where, where I live in Virginia, VCW, the big show, where you have a big social media presence, and you've got these names, and... There's fans like like me, and I'll I'll get into the story later on the wife, uh, where they look at at they watch WWE, they watch AEW, they they see some of these programs, and it's not for them, but they still want to watch wrestling. Well, hey, there's a show at the Armory, there's a show at the local high school, you know, every anybody that grew up, really, I would say before the mid '90s remembers some of the best moments, the best shows were those local promotions that weren't national. I mean, we had we had our friend George Pontus on the show and he talked about all the videos that he took, the 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 Battle of the Nature Boys. That wasn't a national event. That was a local venue. And grant, I mean, granted it was a huge crowd, but that wasn't a, a headlining pay-per-view of, of the mania as we think of it today. Or you, people talk about how fondly they remember the Freebirds and the Von Erics or the Funks or what you, you've you, obviously where you are in Florida, the history of champion of wrestling in Florida. 
it, it's it's it is. It's the crowds are different. I mean, how many times have you seen? I think a great example, if I can get off topic for a second, is in the in the late mid '90s. Excuse me, WWF was having a feud between Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler. And if you watched WWF programming, Jerry Lawler was the heel and Bret Hart was the Canadian. I'm going to give the Burger King and he's going after Jerry Lawler. At the same time, in Memphis, in the local Tennessee territories, WWF stars were coming in and Jerry Lawler was, was the conquering hero, vanquishing the evil WWF, keeping him out of his Tennessee territory. And he was the he was the mega star. And you had to, I mean, it was literally the same story in two different dimensions. And, and fortunately, at that point, really, social media hadn't evolved where you could get away with something like that. Yeah, we've talked about that before with uh, moments, at, be it everything from uh, Lana, the, the punishment Lana went under where she was being pushed in a storyline where her and Rusev had split only for her to go on Instagram and announce their engagement. And then everybody got in trouble for that. Uh, you, you had recent, uh, some of the relationships that have become public, like Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch or Charlotte and uh, Andrade, where you have to tweak storylines. I remember years back, John Cena was involved in an angle with AJ Lee and they had to drop it, like just pretend it never happened because as he became a, he was the biggest name in the company at the time. He was at some event with his then girlfriend and actual news agencies were like, Hey, wait a minute. What about that girl you're on TV with? And social media killed storylines. Right. And I mean, obviously it's it, kayfabe would be impossible. Could you imagine, you know, we, we've talked before. One of my favorite things about Twitter is the iron Sheik's Twitter account. You know, could you imagine if the iron Sheik had Twitter in the eighties when he was feuding with Hulk Hogan and, and Jim Duggan, he'd be he'd be posting pictures of everybody partying at the bars afterwards, and him and Duggan, you know, doing cocaine off a hooker. Like, you know, you 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 so you have to keep it local because, it, like you said, with wrestling, because once it goes national, the 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 storyline that catches people is impossible. That you know. The, the thing with, with Duggan and the Iron Sheik, though, I mean, even, like, back then, even though, you know, people were smartened up for the world of wrestling, people were still horrified that they were riding in the same car together. Yeah. We we had a conversation the other day with uh, Javier, another friend of the show, and he, he showed us, he shared with us the, the program from the show in Puerto Rico the day that Bruiser Brody was, was murdered. And... You had some names that were there, some of Bruiser Brody's closest friends that weren't there because they, the, the heels were in another part of the building. You are not allowed to be even seen close to each other. You're in another locker room. You're in another side of the building. Heels and faces were separated. And, I mean, that was, yeah, that was in an era when it was still real, pers and I hate to use that word, but still, you know, real and fake. But... Nobody watched Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant and thought that this was some magical conquering here. We knew it was you, you, the average fan knew it was a work, but you still at least presented the product as if it was a real fight. And I think you only get to do that in the local if wrestling is local. You know, people can go on social media and and talk in a way or do things like like 
show up at rival restaurants or something locally that they can't do on the national stage. Agreed. But the other uh, <clears throat> thing, we obviously the, the main focus of tonight, we talked about our, our predictions, and uh, neither of us did terribly well with that one, Benny, because there were no, some curveballs. I did say myself the uh, Crow au gratin or Parmesan. <laughs> I, I, I did well enough to at least tie you. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, because we, uh, we, we were both pretty wrong in a lot of places, but we did have one split that we'll get to. But it was... Uh, I mean, we're going to get to the show. I've got some good, uh, some ups and downs to talk about, and we'll get to that. But the um, much like they do anytime they do these gimmick pay per views, Hell in a Cell, Money in the Bank, that the the opening match is always a gimmick. So the they the show opened with the women's Money in the Bank match, and we were talking about that. Uh, you and I were were messaging back and forth during the show. Uh, this match, I, I was torn on because. And we'll get to the ending in a minute, but there were moments that were just, you know, the crowd was hot and and things looked great, and you're like, okay, I see, I see why they're doing this. Um, I was I was kind of confused that when we were when we did our prediction show, they hadn't officially announced the final competitor in the in the event, but when they announced it was to you and I talked about that off off topic or off off air. I mean, it was like, wait a minute. But then I saw what they were doing with her and Natalie, who, who, by the way, uh, Natalia was, I think, the MVP of this match with the way she, she was everywhere well, yes. all the I time. Yes, she was. And you could tell from and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Benny, as somebody who's watched enough wrestling and been 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 in behind the curtain, as they would say, you could tell she was definitely directing the match and she did a great job with that. However, you had some greenhorns in this match. And you had some people that just do not have the chemistry. You know, some it doesn't matter if you have talent if you don't have chemistry together. Uh, you had some moments that were just kind of sloppy. Um, the one that re- the that I made. I did not realize it is Nikki A-S-H. I was calling her Nikki Ash. Apparently, you have to say the name. But for the sake of the show, I'm going to call her Nikki Ash because I think that's silly. Uh, almost a superhero. It's important to note. They, they only said they said that about 100 times. Uh, it, she was climbing the ladder, and she was going to jump into the ring, into the competitors. But I don't know if if the, the, the crowd didn't get in the right spot or if Nikki mistimed her jump. But... She must have been on top of that ladder for 30 seconds while the group just kind of stood shoulder to shoulder and sort of slowly all walked close together and towards her. And she still nearly missed the jump. But it just it was one of those moments that just looked so staged and silly and like, come on. You know, we've talked about it on the show before when we had had Mikey on. We were talking about it where it's it's at that point. It's not a fight. It looks like a stunt show. They're clearly waiting to catch her. And it lo- you were just trying to kill each other a second ago. It looks silly. But speaking of, of Nikki, Super Nikki, in, in a moment neither of us saw, we actually both mentioned her as the, the no chance of winning competitor. They had the moment, which <laughs> we, we were talking about this before the break, or excuse me, before we started recording, where all the ladders, everybody's on the ladders, they're fighting, 
And every time I see that spot, they've done it a handful of times, I always find myself asking, why is nobody just grabbing for the briefcase while everybody else is punching and kicking and jumping and fighting? And lo and behold, Nikki got outsmarted us. She climbed over the crowd, grabbed the briefcase, and everybody just kind of looked all puzzled. Holy cow, she she outsmarted them. I thought I, I thought about it afterwards because you know I, I wanted to let it stew for a minute. And I see why they had her win in that spot. If anybody in the crowd is going to do the spot where they climb over and jump over and outsmart the crew, it should be her. Now, you and I talked about this, and, and we'll get to it. They had already buried Alexa in some la- Alexa Bliss in some ladders. Uh, she had the moment with Selena Vega where she used her superpowers to get Selena Vega to climb down the ladder, which, you know, me and my opinion of magic, those those moments. But I thought overall that they recovered from some of the sloppy starts and they really impressed. And I was shocked by the winner. And we'll get to you know what they did with her the following night later. But uh, both wrong on this one. Benny, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, you know, with, with eight people and no matter what, and I think the, the, the men's money in the bank, which we'll get into in a moment, was much better. But this was more choreography than wrestling. Uh, yeah. the, the note I have is everyone walked into everyone else's shit. And it's pretty much like when, when uh, Naomi, I think, I forgot who she had. She did like a double stunner. Or, uh, it just like, it was way too, uh, it, it didn't look natural. It just was, you can tell it just was choreographed. Um, there's some blown spots. It looked awkward in a lot of spots. Um, I do have one comment. Uh, Michael Cole is also ASH. A shithead. Um, but that's that's another that's a, I did that for Mikey by the way, um, but I mean all that said now the one thing like we said about with Alexa Bliss I, and we talked about before the uh, we went on the air was once they buried her in ladders and, and then you know at the moment I forgot that it was in front of a live crowd because I'm thinking oh crap here here we go lights are going to come off and all these ladders are going to be hanging in midair and she's going to be at the top of one of them grabbing the you know grabbing the the contract. But, you know, then I thought, oh, wait, no, it's live crowd. You can't do that. So, I mean, I'm happy for Nikki Cross and Nikki A.S.H. I'm sorry. Nikki A.S.H. Um, yes. Um, but I just and we, we, you know, maybe we'll get into what happened, you know, on last night. But I mean, really, is this a long term thing? Yeah, well, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and you're right. And it's something I think we've talked about before with. Whenever you have multi-man matches, especially you see it especially in triple threats, they have the spot where somebody gets taken out, and then the other because that happened. I noted, I made a note of that. I didn't even think to bring it up that in this match especially they would have a spot where somebody would get taken out, and then two people or three people could do their stuff, and then the person who got taken out could get in and do their stuff. And a lot of the, this match was two or three people doing things while the other four or five just kind of laid around ringside and waited for their spot. At least at least this time it looked a little more natural. I remember criticizing last year because there were moments where the camera, because in, in the empty arena you could see it a little better, where you literally had people leaning on the apron watching the match like, is it my turn yet? Okay, let's go. And then they jump right. in the ring. But... Yeah, it's uh well, I mean, we'll see. Um, well, moving on from that, we go to the match that I had highlighted as the surprise of the night. Really, the highlight to me, the the positive hot surprise of the night, 
was the tag match for the tag the Raw tag titles, AJ Styles and Omos against the Viking Raiders. Now the interesting thing here was uh, the note and and a reason I say positive surprise. If you remember in our predictions, I said this was the match I cared the least about. I thought it had the weakest build, but damn, if these guys did not win me over, the match was competitive, which I wasn't sure if it was going to be. It was really well done. AJ and Omos have a great little man, big man gimmick. AJ's not above being used as a weapon, being thrown, literally thrown into opponents by his, by his bigger partner. And most, most important is just how much Omos has improved in such a short time. If you remember Benny at Mania, he looked stiff and jointed. He didn't know. He, he really like he barely reached for the tag. He kind of leaned on the corner. He seemed almost timid in this match. He had the rope in his hand. He was leaning in for the tag. He was working with his partner. He's really kind of coming into his own. And they're doing a great job. If he has weaknesses, which I'm sure he does, he's still very green. But they're they're doing a great job hiding it and it's working with the strengths. Uh, obviously, Absolutely. go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, uh, the, when you there was one particular spot where AJ, you know, bounced off the rope, almost scoops him up, throws him outside the ring, and he executes a perfect flying head scissors. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, though, they, they, they had their spots. I love, I think, with his size, uh, Omos doing a double choke slam. It, it works great. And just comparing it to, like, a great Kali or some of the other big men that have tried that move that looks stiff and jointed, Omos looks great. Um, obviously, like I said, this match was competitive, uh, a lot more so than I thought it was going to be. They had the, the Viking Raiders hit the Viking experience on AJ at one point before Amos broke it up by literally throwing Eric across the ring, which I thought was impressive. I mean, when you're when you're deadlifting 300 pounds, it was just it was a great spot. Obviously, AJ and Omos uh, picking up the win. The I mentioned the double choke slam spot. I think it was uh, Eric that he pinned. And you have uh, just really good dynamic here um, where you could go with this. I mean, there's a, there's some good teams that I think they could work with. And I think they, as long as they take their time and don't push the Omos, Diesel, Shawn Michaels, like big guy turning face against his cocky partner moment, I think they'll, they'll be all right. But this match was definitely, for me, the, the pleasant surprise of the evening. I, I totally enjoyed it. Uh, my note is Omas continues to sit under the AJ Styles learning tree. And I, I, I think, I mean, he's not giant Gonzalez. I mean, he, he, he's, I mean, he continues to improve. I think he's really getting into it. I really think he feels like you said at mania, he was very stilted, very, you know, stiff. Right. I really see the improvement where he's, I think he's getting a lot more confidence in his abilities. I that that's that's a perfect word. I was I I could not agree more. Not just confidence, but if you watch him, he certainly seems to be having fun. Like he genuinely looks like he's enjoying himself, which I take nothing away from some of the performers. But just that little level of emotion where it looks like he's he's confident. It looks like he's having fun. It really makes it more fun to watch him. Most big men like him look almost. Dumb, dumbfounded or, or maybe confused is the right word. It, they, they don't seem to be really swap, smooth and into it the way he is. And I think it's great. I think, you know, like you said, 
I think a lot of times these guys are just trying to represent themselves as a giant, whereas I think he actually tried to represent himself as a performer. He really got into it. Yeah, absolutely. And this, so uh, this this was the first match in our predictions we disagreed on. So, uh, you know, we're... We'll and I get thought to after, after this, this match, I thought it's going to be a long night for me, but I kind of <laughs> redeemed myself later on. Yeah, you, you did. You did. Um, but moving on, so, I mean, at this point, uh, um, I was at 2-0. Two, two you were 1-1. One and one. Moving on to the match that we both got wrong for completely different reasons. Uh, the next match is the, the Raw women's title match. Uh, Rhea Ripley defending against Charlotte Flair. Now, I had made one major note here, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, Benny, but the crowd, when this match started, was, I, I don't want to say out of it, but they were crapping all over this. They were chanting, uh, we, want, we Becky. want Becky, which, by the way, Charlotte reacted to with a stone-cold gesture, uh, and, and Peacock cut the feed for a second. They... Didn't quite get all of it. They, they they missed the crotch chop and they missed the middle finger at the end, but they did cut her reaction, um, which I will argue was not a heel move. I think that was Charlotte genuinely angry at the crowd um, for, for, the, for the reaction. I don't know if she expected to be a conquering hero or what, but I think she was genuinely taken aback that the crowd seemed very uninterested in having her there. Now... This is where I give these women credit. Mania, when they had the one-on-one match at Mania last year, I said it was match at a weekend. This match was incredible once it got going. The crowd was out of it. It was kind of plotting in the middle, or in the beginning, excuse me. But then there was a very specific moment. I don't know what was supposed to happen. Charlotte didn't quite put herself in the right position uh, for, and it was a very obvious botch, but Rhea recovered, deadlift Charlotte out of that bad position into a really beautiful-looking suplex, and the crowd went nuts for it. And that was the moment where the crowd slowly won over to the point where they were chanting, this is awesome, at the end. So they really kind of won the crowd over. Now, there were moments that were a little confusing for the crowd because... Rhea Ripley is supposed to, I mean, you would assume she's the face here, but she's a heel. She was very, she wrestled some heelish stuff. Charlotte is clearly a heel. And you, so you had some moments where the crowd wasn't entirely sure what to think, but they definitely turned around. Great match, great moments. And it was, I mean, four and a half stars, easy, great match. I wouldn't say it topped their mania performance, but it was definitely close. It was up there. And then, and then Benny, how many times have we said this? And then it ended. Right. And if you remember at the last pay-per-view, Rhea Ripley threw Charlotte into the announce table and slapped her with that, that cut cover, the, the, the logo cover on the announce table. Immediate disqualification, a spot we've seen thousands of times that never gets disqualified. So you cannot use anything at ringside as a weapon. Rhea was disqualified. The crowd didn't like it. We didn't like it. Um, And then here, Charlotte traps Rhea's leg in the stairs, between the stairs and the ring post, kicks the stairs multiple times, crushing Rhea's leg. 
but apparently that's that's cool. So I can't throw you into the announce table, but I can use the stairs as a weapon half a dozen times. Perfectly acceptable. Charlotte throws Rhea into the ring like a damn dog. Uh, what do they say? Uh, shark in the water goes for the leg. Figure eight with if, damn if wasn't the deepest bridged figure eight I've ever seen. Charlotte was on her fingertips. Uh, Rhea taps. I mean, I I don't get it. I I don't get it. This and and yeah, the crowd reaction was by no means. one way or the other. But if you listen to the crowd reaction, not 30 seconds before the pinfall or excuse me, before the submission, the, a large chunk of that crowd did not like that ending at all. And the booze. Yeah. There were some cheers because it was a good match. You always applaud good matches regardless, but you now have the second time for a second different title that you have brought Rhea Ripley into the position of being the face, be and I mean not the face is in good guy, I mean face is in the, the head of the division. Put her in a position to be dominant, look dominant, be strong, be the hero, only to tap to lose the belt to Charlotte in a match that really didn't feel like it had to go that way. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of what you said is what I what I thought, you know, the same way. Um, great match. They work very well together, and yeah, even that one, you know, I guess botched move, it was saved very, very well. Um, you know that you know that we want Becky. That that kind of went away once they got into the match because they do work so well together. Um, I didn't really, I you know, I never really thought of what you said though, as far as like you know her flipping the bird to the crowd, that it wasn't really a heel move. It was just her being frustrated. I know that that's a good point though. Maybe that's what it was. Um, the one thing I'll say about, I mean, it, it was a great match as far as, you know, like I said, they work, they work very well together. The one particular move that I wrote down was the uh, natural selection off the top rope that uh, Rhea kicked out of. And Charlotte's facial expression was, was priceless. It was, it was spot on. You know, the one thing I think they got wrong, like you said, was the ending. You know, number one, inconsistency, because, you know, the... What what Charlotte did was was to me a lot more egregious than what that what Rhea did to to get disqualified for. Uh, and number two is this: the win would have benefited Rhea far more than you know the the, the win benefits Charlotte. Why? You know, her whole title right now is, is really to me she's a transitional champion, where they could have really done a, a I think a good job as establishing her. As you know, one of these people who's going to win a lot more, and I think she will win a lot more championships. But I think her first reign should have been a little bit more strong. Yeah, this reminds me almost of early Rock and Austin, where you know you've had you had Rhea tap out at Mania, you had her barely win the triple threat with Oscar, and now she taps out at Money in the Bank. Even even if, let's say, Rhea wins the next match against Charlotte in def- in really definitive fashion, her the, the 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 narrative is over. You know, The Rock occasionally got his one his his one upsmanship, right? But every time it was a fair fight, one on one, fair moment, Austin got the better the better of The Rock. 
I, no point did they ever book The Rock to say, look, The Rock is better than Stone Cold. He's as good, but or maybe right there, but Austin's always going to be a little better. No matter what happens, that momentum is over. Rhea, it will never be as good as Charlotte. And she needed, uh, I call it the signature win. She needed the signature win. She, she needed the win here clean against Charlotte to say, look, we have other women I mean, like they did with Bianca Belair, on, on which SmackDown is doing a much better job of, they needed somebody they could point to and say, look, you've got the four horse women. You've got maybe Asuka, who also can't, who's also come out on the losing end of multiple title matches against Charlotte that has, will never be able to get over that hump, it seems like. Uh, there's nobody. You had your chance to, to say, look, Rhea Ripley is the next thing. But now she, like you said, all Rhea Ripley was, was a, a, she was the stopgap until Charlotte was in a position to win the title back. Right. Which, uh, spoiler alert, she did not keep very long because, like I said, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Monday Night Raw, Charlotte talking her smack. She said she could beat Rhea Ripley any day of the week. That led to a title match. Charlotte... Again, another good match between the two of them. Charlotte got disqualified uh, in the post-match melee where she kept targeting Rhea's knee and Rhea finally got her into the, slammed her into the ring post, knocked her. I mean, they were presenting like Charlotte was out. Uh, here comes Nikki with the briefcase, cashes in, flying crossbody on Charlotte, one, two, three. Raw went off the air last night with Nikki Ash, or Nikki A.S.H. as the Raw Women's Champion. So, you, at this point now, you killed Rhea's momentum with Charlotte, only to have Charlotte be the transitional champion to put the belt on Nikki, which now the, 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 the women's Money in the Bank briefcase lasted 24 hours. So, that whole narrative of will, will they, won't they cash in is gone, kind of like Carmella milked last year. Um, I, I, I don't know, I, I honestly don't know where they're going with this, because... Do you have a triple threat at SummerSlam? Nikki, Charlotte, and Rhea? And if you do, who wins that one? Do you keep the title on Nikki? Do you... I don't see Nikki being a long... Uh, superhero Nikki being a long-term face of the division. Uh, maybe I, I hope... I could be wrong on that one. Uh, do they bring somebody back to feud with Charlotte or Rhea and transition Nikki to another challenger? I, I don't know. I, I'm really confused by this. It, it, the quality of the match is a saving grace, but the booking decision really soured me. And I will tell you, my wife and I were watching this pay-per-view together. My wife is not a fan at all. Benny, you, you've, you've, you've heard her talk yes, in the background absolutely. on the show before. She is not a fan at all of Charlotte. When Charlotte won, that was it. She that she was kind of lost her interest in the show. And unfortunately, she's not the only one. Social media... There, there are fans that were kind of there. It's not a knock on Charlotte. She's a talent, a once in a generation talent. But for to what she's at fourteen titles 14, in less yeah. than in less than ten years. You, you. Well, I mean, I, I, you. You can't even even Super John Cena and Hulkamania at its peak weren't fourteen time champions in less than a decade. 
fans got sour on face Roman Reigns and and Super John Cena because fans got tired. It's same thing with the the corporation storyline with Triple H, or even towards the end in WCW, fans started getting kind of getting a little sour on the NWO, where if you have the same couple people constantly winning, and, and it, it 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 feels stale, even if they're big names, even if you like watching them. I, I just think it devalues the the, the the title. I mean, this this is a world title. This is not the you know the NWA Southern Heavyweight Championship that Jerry Lawler can win twenty eight times that nobody really cares because you know they, they figure he's going to keep winning it. You know that this is. I mean, at the same time Lawler was doing that, you you had multiple year title reigns. I, I think, and I'm not saying that you know somebody should be champion for four or five years, but. Let him hold it. I mean, there's no reason why Rhea Ripley needed to drop that belt. I, I just don't. I don't see it. Yeah, and if you remember the the run a few years ago when Charlotte was feuding with Sasha Banks, where Charlotte was winning the title. Seven title switches between the two of them over the course of the summer, and it was like you. When you, I mean, 14 titles in even round up, let's say 14 titles in 10 years. So she wins and loses a title once every, I mean, what, what is that? That one, 1.4 titles a year, right? You know, and, and, so, you know, so she's, I mean, she's, so she's winning, she's winning and or losing a title every six months. That even diehard Charlotte fans, like, come on, look, you got. 30 women on the roster. You could diversify a little bit. I mean, I'm going to go old school for a second. You know, Bruno, two title reigns, 4,040 days. You know, Charlotte, 14 title reigns, probably like 900 days. It just, it, it's not the same. No, it's not. When you play hot potato with the belt, things, it doesn't feel as prestigious. It's almost and, a glorified 24-7 title. Yeah, well, it reminds me of what they did with uh, if you sticking with the WWE, what they did with CM Punk, where he kept the title for like 400 days, or he, or JBL on SmackDown, where he was the champion for about a year, where you built CM Punk felt like a main event superstar because he had the title for so long. JBL's character was cemented as a legit main eventer because he had the title for so long. And you had Imagine too. I mean, exa that's exactly. Imagine how we how fans would have felt about JBL if by the time he drops the title to Cena at Mania, you know he had all, he he was a three or four time champion and, and him and Eddie Guerrero or him and Kurt Angle switched the belt two or three times. The fact that he had been champion for so long made his character feel legitimate. And I think Rhea, really, especially because she's such a unique look and gimmick and character. I think she needed a long title reign to really cement, hey, I'm the new star of this division. And Having her tap out and, and feud with other, you know, other women. Yeah, and especially because it was a submission. If Charlotte had hit her with a chair and rolled her up or something, that's not even as bad. Rhea tapped out clean. You don't look ever, ever look strong tapping out. Even right. moments where you know you hear stories about somebody's in the hold for two minutes or something. You know, um, it just doesn't it doesn't feel right. And I, I don't know. But enough about the negative. Moving on um, to a match. Speaking of, of titles, while we're on that, let's let's talk about the the WWE title match, which we both got right. We both picked Lashley. We both said he was going to win in convincing fashion. 
And I'm not going to lie, Benny. I'm a Kofi fan, but I'm glad it kind of went this way. But really, Kofi actually defending the title against Kofi was it was a, this was a glorified squash match. There was there was there was almost nothing in the realm of hope spots. There was just Bobby Lashley beating the bejeebs out of Kofi, pinning him when he felt like it. Nope, just kidding. I'm not going to pin him. Three dominators, a couple of... Now, I, I, Kofi Kofi was able to get out of the first hurt lock. But really, you cemented... I mean, Bob, this goes to what we were talking about with Rhea Ripley. Bobby Lashley set the, set the, the stone. He carved it. Here's my... Here I am. Good old Kofi Mania, dead. New Day, gone. I am the dominant heel champion i will beat the crap out of anybody at any time i want wherever whatever lashley wins exactly the kind of win he needed especially with the, the, the way they're gripping the storyline now with getting a little away a little bit from the fun the women and the lounges and the suits um but i thought this this match was exactly what it needed to be and, and i thought it was great this was uh, a, a 2021 version of all-Star Wrestling with Joe McHugh, where it's Billy, Superstar Billy Graham against Silvano Souza. Except this one lasted, I, I timed it, it was 7 minutes and 36 seconds of one continuous beatdown. Uh, I mean, Kofi had a little teeny bit of offense in the beginning, but that was really it. But like you, I had absolutely no problem with this match. I love Kofi. You know, he's one of my favorites, but this needed to happen exactly the way it happened. I think, you know, you know, he took, Lashley took pinfall losses both, I, I think he did. He was to uh, Xavier Woods. By he, he did. Ex- Xavier rolled him up clean. Well, yeah, clean. surprise roll up. The, the dreaded schoolboy. But I mean, I think they needed to eliminate that. They needed to get Lashley back on track. And I, I you know, I guess they were kind of making him a little bit soft. I, I mean, he looked soft by losing those matches. But I think they did a great job last night of reestablishing, reestablishing him as a as a badass. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This reminded me, if you remember from his his second big return, uh, John Cena when he when he got when the, when the world was introduced to Suplex City, when Brock Lesnar beat him, I think it was at SummerSlam actually. Where uh, I could be wrong on that one. I'm sure the the internet world will correct me. But Lesnar he he German Suplex John Cena something like twenty times and hit him oh, with yeah. a couple F fives and pinned him and it was it was really a glorified that was a glorified squash match too, and it set the set the stage for the Lesnar that became the dominant beast we saw, and I think this is important especially, again spoiler alert, going to the fact that after after as we saw on Raw, uh, triumphant return of Keith Lee by the way good to see him back unfortunately his his answering of the open challenge against Lashley didn't work very well, but Lashley it is certainly uh, looking like his SummerSlam opponent is going to be that young up and comer Bill Goldberg. I'm glad. To, I'm, I'm really curious to see what we can get out of that kid. But uh, no, I, I just uh, looks like it's going to be Lashley and Goldberg battle of the spears, I guess. Um, but I think if you're going to have Goldberg, kind of like they did with McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, you you needed a tough. I could crush anybody, Lashley. If you're going to have his next match be Goldberg, I I guess Goldberg needs this one more payday before he starts collecting Social Security. I think he's well, going to pretty much hit that age, very, you know, very shortly. It, 
if you remember when when they sign Goldberg to the contract he's on now, his his contract gets him at least no no less or excuse me, uh, at least two matches a year. He had his match against Drew McIntyre. Now he gets his next one. Um, so he's got he maybe he's got one more in him. I don't know, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, I think this match is exactly what it needed to be, and I, I like the outcome. I we'll see where we go from here. With uh, I didn't I didn't like to see Kofi get beat down, but at the same time, I liked seeing Lashley being the dominant force that he was. Yeah, and honestly, I don't I don't think with with the with the way Kofi has been built in his career, especially with the New Day, I don't think this hurts Kofi. I don't think if, if, if his next, let's say, I don't know, uh, the RK Bros, let, let's just throw that out there. If, if, if he and Xavier start a tag team feud, I'm not going to, there's no one on the roster that he'll go into a match with where I'll think, well, Kofi's buried and he'll never win another match. I, I think he recovers from this just fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he goes back to being a, a tag team specialist or, you know, whatever. I mean, he's fine. Yeah. He's, got, he's had a long story career. This won't kill him. Now, moving on to something that I hope could be a good narrative uh, was I had this pegged uh, match of the night. I just really enjoyed it the most. Um, it was the men's Money in the Bank match. Now, if you remember, we, uh, we talked about it. You, Benny, you got this one right on the head. So this did, was your yeah. this was your surprise come uh, surprise comeback when it looked like I was gonna get you. Um, men's, I mean, this match was incredible. Uh, I like you talked about with the women's match. It was it was just significantly better just as as a ladder match and as a multi person match. There weren't as many knock somebody out for ten minutes while everyone else does their stuff moments. Um, you had it told several distinct stories, be it. Uh, the, the, the team up of Rollins and Drip Drip, yeah. Yeah, Joel John which by the way I was gonna get to that. The crowd totally behind Johnny Drip Drip, Drip, Drip. Cra- chanting Johnny Drip Drip, loving the when Morrison looked like he was gonna climb the, 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 the ladder. Crowd was very much behind him. Um but you had you had their team up, you had the build up moments. Uh I MVP of for me MVP of this match was Ricochet. And one of now now you you I've said it before. How many times I talk about how much I hate the flippy shit with the with the jumping? I, I just talked about it with Nikki Cross. The moments where you jump into the crowd, you can do those spots and you can do them right. And you saw that in this match. That moment where Ricochet jumps onto the ladder, springboards onto the ladder, which gets pushed over. He's as he's falling off the ladder, he springboards off the rope into the crowd of of competitors on the floor. That is how you do that spot. At no point did it look like everybody on the floor was waiting for him. Did it look like he was planning that? Did he did he didn't stand on the top of the ladder for 30 seconds waiting in position? It was just so smooth. He had some serious moments. Uh, Kevin Owens looking good with his stunner fest. Unfortunately, Kevin Owens went through the ladder. They you know uh, what do they call it? Um, uh, what is that? Uh, uh, they call it Chekhov's gun in theater. The rule, the old rule of fiction: if you introduce a gun, it doesn't matter unless it's been fired. When you set up a ladder like that, with the ladder bridge between the announce table and the ring, that doesn't matter unless somebody goes through it. Right. Kevin Owens went through it. Uh, you had some some great back and forth, some strong moments. Uh, clearly building towards the future with 
like Jinder Mahal and his goons interfering, taking out Drew McIntyre. I, I think that'll be McIntyre against Jinder Mahal, probably SummerSlam match uh, if they keep that feud going for a little while longer. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, Kevin Owens, all everybody in the match looked good. Ricochet, nobody really came out of this looking like a chump. Um, and holy crap, big ending. I mean, the big ending. That Big E hitting his move off the top of the ladder like that, that looked phenomenal. No pun intended. Um, and Big E climbs the ladder, takes down the briefcase. Mr. Money in the Bank, Big E, I... When you predicted him, I said, remember, I said anyone in this match could win the briefcase, and I'd be happy. I think he is going to do great things, and I really hope that they do well with him because I could see Big E being a future world champion. And really, he's the kind of guy you can build around for for several years. You can have Big E on the merchandise and on the lunch boxes and at the, you know, big a Big E. I could see Big E in a Mania main event, like, He's the kind of guy you can build around. I think he was a great choice. And realistically, and, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I think if if they don't swap titles, I would want Big E to go after Lashley before I'd want him to go after Roman Reigns. Yeah, I, no, I agree with that. And, you know, my notes were this was as, this was as good as the women's match was bad. These guys, they just... They clicked. I mean, these guys, they work much better together. Um, that one that one move that you said with Ricochet, I think before that he had, like, walked along the ropes and jumped on the ladder. And I, that was, like, a holy shit moment. And then he gets yeah. knocked off, jumps on the rope, and, like, w- without even hesitating, I mean, that was perfectly executed. That was, that was a holy crap moment. That was great. And like you said, that did not look... That did not look like everybody was just waiting for him to jump on them. I mean, that 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 really worked. You know, KO with his stunners, Riddle with his RKOs, um, you know, Ricochet with his with his moves. Everybody loved Drip Drip. You know, Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins. It just it worked. I mean, and you know, as far as Big E, I I can see Big Big E being in the main event picture. He's paid his dues. He's got a great look. He, you know, he's he's good in the ring. He's got you know he's got promo skills. He's He's got it all. I mean, a little bit different than Lashley and, and Drew, maybe, but I think I, I could see him being a champion. Yeah, he certainly does. And and I will say this match, I talked about it with Rhea and Charlotte, but this match, more than I think any match on the card, any, all but one moment, which we'll get to, the crowd 100% made this match. The Johnny Drip Drip chance, the holy the the holy shit chance after the RKOs, the reactions to Owen Stunner, the reactions to Ricochet's stuff, the booing the bejeebs out of Jinder Mahal when his goons came out. The crowd really made this. This match doesn't work as well if it's in front of television screens, like the you know or if they if they're in an empty arena or if they're in the Thunderdome. The, the crowd made this match more than I think. I mean, more really, and I'm, maybe not more than the wrestlers, but this this match benefited more than anything from the crowd. It was, you know, the, the bottom line is it was just to me very satisfying just seeing a crowd and seeing yeah. the crowd get into the match, no matter if it was good or bad. Just seeing that there was a crowd there was great. Absolutely. And speaking of great reactions, we get to the main event. Roman Reigns defending the title against Edge. Now, you and I both said we picked Roman Reigns to win. 
Uh, we said it would be a great match. We said it would be competitive, and I think I think it delivered. I mean, you had you had your moments. Uh, the edge, the edge momentum, uh, edge working on the arms. I give, I give the announcers credit, and SmackDown's announced team is significantly better. Uh, especially, I mean, significantly better than than um, they they used to be, and I give them that. But they were talking about Edge has got to work the arm because that takes away Roman's strength. The fact that the announcers sold this like a fight, like a real fight between two heated rivals, instead of talking about Mountain Dew or whatever the hell, I think that helped. The crowd was hot for really everything. Roman got the uh, the booze. That he, that he should have as the heel, not the go-away booze that he was getting before. And the crowd was on it. I, there were some moments I really liked the... Excuse me. I really liked the, the the way they kind of explored the space, but they didn't go crazy with it. They get out of the ring, have a few moments, get back in the ring. Get out of the ring, have a few moments, get back in the ring. It really felt... Edge played it, played it great where he... You know, he was he had to win the match in the ring. And Roman had a few moments, if you remember, where he was beating Edge down. Edge barely barely got the count. There was one moment in particular I kept a note of because I thought it was great, where Edge is down. It's a, I think it was a seven or eight. And you can see Roman kind of looking back and forth. It reminded me of that scene in Return of the Jedi where Darth Vader's looking at the Emperor, he's looking at Luke, he's trying to make that decision, and Roman's looking at the ref, looking at Edge, and he's like, no, I'm going to do this, and he breaks the count and brings Edge back into the ring. He could have easily gotten the count out, because Edge was down, he wasn't going to beat the count, but the way Roman told that story with his face, and and just that moment, it just they, they did such a good job telling the story. Now, my opinion, the, the ending, little overbooked, uh, but ref bump, spot with the chair, Edge doing the, wick, the wicked cross face with the bar in Roman's mouth. The Usos come out, the Mysterios come out, and then exactly like you said was going to happen, your, your, your boy, uh, SmackDown's version of Johnny Drip Drip with that hair, Seth Rollins comes out, interferes, beats up Edge. They have a one more hope spot before Roman... Uh, one more distraction. Roman hits the spear. One, two, three. So looking like SummerSlam is going to be Edge and Seth Rollins. But before we get to the big, big reveal, Benny, what were your thoughts on the main event? I and I timed it. It was thirty-three minutes and eight seconds, which nowadays is a very long match. Yes. You know, uh, but I didn't. It didn't feel like it was that long. I and I found myself really emotionally invested in it. I mean. I, in my heart of hearts, I really, you know, I knew that Roman Reigns was going to come out as the champion. But there were a couple of moments there where I kind of, I kind of wavered a little bit. I, I think these guys work great together. I, I think Edge did. He was an MVP. He did such a good job. I mean, he he elevated Roman Reigns, even though Roman was the champion. I think he he really he just made Roman look that much better. I I, I liked everything about this match. I mean, I, I guess maybe. You know the the interference at the end with Seth, but I guess they had to do that just to, to build momentum for the you know for the next feud with uh, with Edge and Rollins. But I, I thought it was a great match. Yeah, and now I'll say when you talked about time, uh, fun little side anecdote. During the the intros, we talked about it during the uh, the match. But let's get to something I think it's important to point out during the intros for the men's Money in the Bank match. 
the Peacock servers started to falter. And you and me, and uh, based on social media, pretty much everybody everybody watching the show, started having really bad moments. Now, I'll admit, I ended up giving up because my stream just would not catch up with itself. I watched the rest of the Men's Money in the Bank match and the main event Monday morning. And I remember going back to the spot where uh, I had stopped at the first, because I watched the Men's Money in the Bank match. I had to stop it during the Seth Rollins, or excuse me, during the uh, Roman Reigns and Edge Edge match. And I remember looking and thinking, damn, there's it was like over 30 minutes of show left, and we still had the main event that, that, was, that was going on. So I was like, okay, you're going to have the main event. There's no way there's 30 minutes of match left. But it was a long match, and you had a post uh, a oh, post credits yeah. moment, if you will. Benny, uh, tell me, was that not the loudest pop you have heard in ages? I, I mean, I have to be honest. I reacted more strongly than I have in you know years. Just, yeah, it, it was a nice surprise. I, you know, and it was nice to see that the crowd actually gave him some love as well. Yeah, exactly. When you Roman gets in the ring and he's talking, you know, ain't nobody left. Recognize me. I'm the big dog. I'm the head. And that 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 chain sounding music and the name John Cena's name and that crowd erupted. And I think it was a combination of surprise and just just it felt good to be back like the crowd knew you do not have john cena's return like that in an empty arena you you have a moment like that in front of fans this was the first big nail reminding you hey you guys are a crowd we're back to the crowds we're doing this again and now i have an instant reason to to turn on you know smackdown on friday night yeah and Cena opened, uh, he opened Monday Night Raw, challenging Rollins for the Universal title at SummerSlam. So I, that's going to be a great build, because Paul Heyman and Cena in promo offs, they've done that in the past together. I, when he was feuding with Lesnar, among other things, I think that's going to be gr- a great build. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. The crowd is clearly looking forward to that. No Cena sucks over the music. It was just an, a, a, an appreciation it was it, the, the pop was amazing. Cena looks to be in great shape, um, and I really, I mean that that moment bumped. If I was to give this to show a star rating, John Cena's coming back and the crowd reaction at least that's at least half a star right there. Oh, absolutely. Bumping up the score, absolutely. But we finished the night, Benny. Nobody's got to eat. Uh, nobody's got to eat crow. No humble pie. We, no we tied pie three apiece. Yeah, we were both three and three. Um, we we had. I mean, it was honestly, I think, yeah, we talked about Charlotte. I didn't like the ending of that. I, I thought the women's Money in the Bank match was kind of sloppy. But all in all, the both main events were, both title matches were great. I was thoroughly impressed by the tag match. The men's ladder match was incredible. I, I, was, I was thinking B-plus, really, territory for this show. But John Cena's cameo and the crowd, just the crowd reactions, not just to him, but the matches – bump it up for me i gave this show an a minus i thought it was a lot honestly this show was a lot better than it had any business being you know you have a really good movie and then you have a superb ending so then it becomes a great movie so yeah i agree with you 
Yeah, this is it's usual suspects territory right here. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, and we've got we've got really. If you think about it, right now, just based on where they're building and what what they're teasing towards, you're going to have Lashley against Goldberg, Reigns against John Cena, certainly looking like you're going to have Edge and uh, Seth Rollins. You're going to have some combination of the 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 undercards where you've got you've got the feud with uh, Otis and Cesaro. You've got looking like the RK Bros with either the Viking Raiders or uh, AJ Styles and Omos. You have Nikki Ash involved with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. That could be a great triple threat if they got, go one way or the other with that one. Now. Yeah, exactly. McIntyre and Jinder. Um, if if rumors are to be believed, uh, you can expect the Sasha Banks return any day now. So her and and Bianca Belair having a rematch, really. We haven't even started, really started the meat and potatoes of the build for SummerSlam, and it already looks like it is going to be a spectacular card. Maybe this is finally the momentum where they start kicking the ratings up a little bit. I sure hope so. Well, if, if you saw the numbers, the SmackDown show from last week, the that was the highest ratings they'd had in months. I'm sure Raw will get the ratings bump from John Cena. But, yeah, and, and not just the ratings bump, but... Maybe maybe the shot in the arm. Now, Raw had some moments. Let's be honest. I, I was kind of scratching my head at the women's title change. I was scratching my head at what they did with Karrion Cross, um, Losing to a Jeff Hardy who I'd forgotten still worked there. No offense. Jeff Hardy's a hell of a talent, but he has not been on Raw in any serious capacity in ages. And then you bring Keith Lee back and you, you, you job him Keith, out. Yeah, well. you bring Keith Lee back to, 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 fill, to job out to to Lashley and honestly Keith Lee didn't I don't know if he was working out the ring rust or what but he looked he didn't look as good as he usually does uh in the ring so yeah there were some moments that made me scratch my head now I ain't gonna get into too much of rumors but the rumblings from the back some of the dirt sheets are reporting that that what happened to Karrion Cross was a direct message to NXT from leadership as kind of a punishment for the whole brand so who knows? We'll see. Uh, honestly, I think if 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 you're going to kind of do... Because Jeff Hardy's win over Karrion Cross was kind of heelish. If you're going to have Jeff Hardy be the villain, maybe a Willow-type character, Karrion, that's a hell of a feud for Karrion Cross. Because you know Karrion Cross is going to have to come out on top of that one. You ain't going to call him up to the main roster just to job him out in a feud to Jeff Hardy. But it, we'll see. I, there, I think they have the chance, especially SmackDown. SmackDown is really building the foundation here. They have the chance to really kick it up a level. Maybe it's the shot in the arm they need. Uh, maybe they, they get the product ready for the next step. But SummerSlam is, is looking great. Uh, I got we got a lot of good wrestling to look forward to. We got a lot of good shows to look forward to coming up. So uh, always always having fun with it. Benny, any any closing thoughts? No, I, you know the bottom line is you know like I said, I now look forward to tuning in on Friday nights. Maybe even Monday night if they pick that up a little bit. But definitely on Friday night. Yeah, no, I, I watch I watch SmackDown every week. I watch what I can from Raw. Usually it's a, a, a compilation on Tuesdays, or excuse me, Mondays, or Tuesdays, and uh, uh, I don't get to watch much on Monday, but we'll, we'll see. They, they've got some good stuff. Um, we talked about the territories. AEW seems to be picking up. Impact seems to be picking up. Uh, 
the NWA running shows again, power back on fight TV. So maybe it's, maybe it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, again, kind of, we, we had a pretty dark period for a while there and maybe things are looking up. Uh, we, we have been long suffering and we have paid our dues. So now it's time to reap the fruits of our, uh, you know, our, our, our patience. Exactly. Exactly. So for the BS Express, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spasciano. Have a good night, everyone. And as always, happy wrestling. Good night, folks.